All right, guys, it's time for the next Level Guy Show, a men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats, covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is Eric Ream. Eric is a veteran who became fascinated by the field of human dynamics and what motivates us as human beings while he was in deployment. In his new book, Rise Above Chaos, which is available now, Eric is leveraging years of research and his own life story to explain step by step how to rediscover your path to significance and inner peace, no matter how busy or chaotic your life has become, aka how to tame that inner chaos he calls the beast. And in this interview, we discuss the keys to human dynamics, how to find the purpose of your own life by finding your passions, how to overcome the beast and chaos in your life, and so much more. And now, let's get to the interview. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Now, this book that you've written is fantastic, and it really gets to the cracks of something that a lot of guys are struggling with in their lives. But just before we get going, how would you identify who you are? If somebody asked you for a cliche 30-second introduction, what would you say to them? Uh, I just say, I would tell him, uh, Ian, that I'm a professional speaker and I'm an author and I love to, uh, I love to study and master human dynamics. I'm into human dynamics and human connections. So that's, that's what I am in 30 seconds or less. <laughs> I like it. Um, now, would you say that you're, you're originally in the military when you start getting into sort of human dynamics? Do you think you learned about connecting and leading men and women at that time? You know, did you have to sort of merge people of all ages, religions, races together to, and lead them into pressurized situations? Was that the kind of impetus to look at human dynamics and how we are connected yeah. Yeah. Well, Ian, I, I kind of started that journey when in 1995, when I left my uh, state, my home state of Indiana, I remember my parents dropping me off at the airport when I was going to go to the academy for four years. It's a, you know, in the U S where you train to be an officer in the U S army, there's four different academy academies. I went to the United States military Academy, which is the army. And I remember my parents just kind of crying and being really down and depressed. I'm like, I didn't understand what the problem was. Now I understand looking back at it because they knew that once I got on that plane, I was never coming back. I was about to start my journey. And so my journey started in 95 and really kind of got thrown into the throes of really just all walks of life because the U.S. Military Academy is, uh, you know, every every state sends, you know, 10 or 15 uh, folks to the academy every year. So I was hanging out with people from Texas to, you know, California to the Northeast to the Northwest to the Southeast from Alabama to Maine, you know, just getting to know all those folks. I didn't even know what daylight savings time was. We didn't, we don't switch our clocks back in Indiana, right? So we don't switch our, I didn't, I didn't even know what that was <laughs> going into it. Never tasted a bagel. I was just this naive kid. 
And so that's when it really started. And it really was accentuated when I deployed to Bosnia after I graduated from the academy in 1996. And if you remember what was going on in Bosnia in the mid 90s, that was mass level genocide where, you know, uh, Muslims and Serbs were killing each other based off religion to the point that uh, the world can no longer look the other way. And so they, the allies got together, formed Operation Joint Endeavor. And I was part of a, a group of Americans. We were one of the first Americans across the Sava River. And at 23 years old, going into that situation, I saw things and experienced things that, you know, kind of changed the way you look at humanity. And it's one thing, Ian, to, to study about this kind of stuff, you know, kind of the horrific things that men and women can do to one another in history, right? I mean, throughout history, you can read it in history books. It's one thing to see that. It's one thing to see it on TV, like what we're seeing in Ukraine right now. But it's another thing when you're right on ground and you can taste it, you know, it, you can smell it, you can see it. And so it really kind of, it was a kind of a, a crossroads in my life that, hey, there's, there's a dark side to humanity that I think we all possess. And I, get, I became fascinated by what makes humans tick. So at 23 years old, it became a lifelong study. I'm 49 now, you know, 26 years later, I've, I've just been digging and diving into this. So yeah, the military definitely started that process. Because it's certainly something that's rare at that age to kind of have that level of insight and that openness to, you know, sort of understand, like looking at the the invisible bonds that sort of work, you know, the connections between us. Because very few people really, till you're what, 40, 50, really kind of understand that no no one's looking at you. Nobody's caring what you're doing. No. But we all think like, oh, we're being judged and, oh, we're just not sociable if we're not the life and soul of the party. You know, we all think it's we're born with social skills and we can't improve them. And mm. that's what I found really interesting was once I started reading into your book and looking at like sort of the videos and interviews you've done, there's some amazingly sort of like complexity to this. But where do you find that the people that come and work with you go wrong and you know where do they struggle with because you've covered a lot of different industries from like working with athletes to working in industry you've worked with people now in your coaching program where do you mm -hmm. see people struggling in the human let's say the human dynamics the building a life of significance that sort of thing uh, i think probably one of the uh, well there's a couple things i've noticed one ian is uh people struggle with perspective you know, uh, whatever's going on in your life in that moment, it's like the most important thing to you. Sometimes it's hard to rise above that and think beyond that, uh, whether it be an aging parent or, you know, something that's going on with your finances. It's hard for people to get out of those weeds sometimes and kind of get the overall perspective. Uh, one of the things that bought the gift that Bosnia gave me was that uh, it was so bad, the living conditions there, that whenever I feel sorry for myself, I was like, well, it could be worse. I could be back in Bosnia, right? So it gives mm -hmm. me that perspective. The other thing I find that people struggle with is, you know, in order to be successful, I talk about my book, Ian, in order to be successful and live a life of significance, you're going to need the help of others. You know, you can't do anything alone. So we've got to communicate. We've got to connect as human beings if we're ever going to move in a positive direction. And so what I find when I start working with people that, People get offended really easily um, because they misinterpret uh, what, why people do the things they do. And I dig in that in my book a little bit. In fact, when I do my workshops, I teach people that once I'm done with you and you start to understand really what makes people tick, that you won't be offended by others anymore. You evaluate. So if something negative happens to me in a, in a connection with someone, I don't get offended by what just happened. I evaluate what, what made them do that. Why did they say what they said? Because there's always, uh, if you really peel back the layers, there's always a reason behind everything. 
you know, people don't wake up today every day, Ian, and and think of ways to mess with you as a person, right? <laughs> Nobody's trying to mess with you, Ian, or mess with me. They're just waking up and trying to navigate life and and, mm-hmm. and evaluate and do the things they need to do. And sometimes you just kind of get in the crossways of that. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with whatever journey they're on. So those are really two major things: perspective, number one, and then just understanding that. Uh, being offensive is just a wasted, it's a wasted of energy and evaluate is a much better way of doing it. And do you think that's something that like a lot of sort of younger people are struggling with is, the, you know, they're kind of rudderless at the moment. They don't have a focus. They don't have a, like a challenge in their life. They don't know their passion or their purpose. And, you know, we're, they're, they, they can't identify that sort of voice in their head that says you need more, but they're sort of lost in the chaos, as you call it in the book. Yeah. Well, every young person goes through that. It's a process of evolving and growing as a human being, right? I mean, all of us could look back at our earlier days and we were just all rudderless with a lot of energy and nowhere to go. Where it becomes destructive is when as you age and you don't evolve and you don't grow and you don't find that purpose. And what I found like in Bosnia, one of the things I I realized when we were going from town to town, Ian, I noticed that there was a lot of young men that would be loitering in the towns they were just kind of walking around, just kind of going from street to street, just trying to figure out what to do with their lives. And same thing with my soldiers as well. I remember my platoon sergeant always kept my soldiers active, though there was never downtime when we were in Bosnia. He always kept them busy, cleaning their weapons, working on their, their, their battle drills, things like that. And so when I began to ask, why do, we, why do you do that? Why do you keep them so busy? He's like, well, because an idle soldier is a danger, so dangerous soldier. And that's when mm-hmm. I realized that a person without purpose, like these young men that I was seeing in Bosnia that didn't have a purpose, if a human being doesn't have purpose, that's a, that becomes a very dis, uh, dangerous human being because all of us need some level of purpose in our life. If we don't, it's going to get filled with something. And in the book, I call it the beast. So the beast is this, this opposing force that will fill your life with purpose, usually with something destructive, if you don't have something constructive in your life that you're purposely moving towards. And so every one of us wants to know that we um, have some kind of purpose in our life. We're trying to accomplish something. The hard part is a lot of folks have a hard time discovering, well, really, what is that purpose? And so that's where we start to unpack that in the book. And really in the first uh, section of the book, we really start talking about embracing your spiritual component, your journey on your purpose, because that's really the first step to any level of significance. Because that's what I liked about it was that, you know, it's not just the talking up at the high level and saying this, this, and this. You're giving actual concrete steps. You give a framework about how to create a perfect day, how to deal with the chaos, how to deal with the beast, and how mm. to make the change. And you use a lot of personal sort of stories and explain, like, it show how it linked to you. And, you know, you're sort of showing that you're not perfect, but this is how you used it to go from rock bottom to the success you are now. But what is the the sort of the factors that affect the significance in somebody's life that you know if they're living it with passion and purpose, or are they're just kind of you know what what did you notice about the soldiers? Because in a soldier, you know, they might just sneak off for a fag, for example. Mm-hmm. But in our such like you're saying, you might start getting like a teenager filling it up with a bad habits and things like mm-hmm. that. How do we start aligning our passion? in life and finding our purpose in life how do we even start that and get over that fear of making such a transition when we hit rock bottom yeah yeah well i think well in the book and in my own journey 
by the way, this book is just uh, a playbook of what I did myself. And I realized that there was a lot of people like me. And so that's why I try to put it in the book form to take unpack what I did to go from my rock bottom in 2005 to where I am today. And what was that that methodology that I followed? And I discovered there was really a, a, a method, a methodological a method that I followed that was that really I could probably bring back to the masses. And so that's why I decided to do the book. And the first step and what I discovered is that I had to what I call embrace the spiritual journey. And that is everyone has to answer this question. Why? Right. Mark Twain once said that the two most important days of your life are the day that you were born in and the day that you find out why. Right. And so we all have that 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 uh, insatiable thing inside that's always asking this question, why? If you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, then what's the point? Why even get out of bed in the morning if you don't know what your why is? And so I discovered that the why has a two-part component to it. The first part you mentioned it is your passion. So we all have a certain level of passion, things that make us tick, that really drives us inside. And it's important that we embrace what those passions are. And all of us are different. Like for me, for whatever reason, I have a passion for people. I've always loved being around people. I'm an extrovert. I'm energized by groups. I'm energized by others. I want to get to know them. And so whatever your passion is, you have, number one, you have to embrace it. But it's, your passion will be your fuel that's going to help you rise above the chaos. But a passion that's unfettered with no direction also can be dangerous. That's why you have to align it with the second part, which is your, your what I call your superpower. We all have a, a specific set of skill sets, Ian, that makes us uh, unique, right? Like me, for me, and for instance, I'm a communicator. So for whatever reason, I can, I've always enjoyed it. I can, al- I can take any type of idea and I can translate that into a message that makes it easier for people to consume. So that's just something that has always come easy to me. So once you begin to understand what your superpower is in the book, I, I lay out three power questions that you ask yourself. Uh, I won't go into too detail, but the uh, the first one is just what do others say about you? Uh, the second one is um, where do you get opportunities? And the third is what comes easy to you? And when you start to align that and figure out, okay, these are my strengths, but then you align it with your passions, then what happens is your why becomes be, begins to formulate in front of you. Now, the key thing about this, though, is this is something you just can't go to your office or go back home and go to, or go to a library and write these things down and say, oh, I have my why. Your why is discovered as you live within your passions and you align them with your, your strength or superpower. What happens is it starts to become uh, very clear to you as you go on the journey, which leads to purpose. This is the key because you're asking, you mentioned passion and purpose. Well, passion is a formula to discover your why, right? It's the second part of the two-part formula, which is your superpower. But what turns it into a purpose is actually when you take action, and that's the key. That's why my my mission in life is I try to help overwhelming, busy, professional men, men and women rediscover their passion so they can redefine their purpose. But here's the key. Get the courage to actually do something about it. That's when the purpose, that's when you start to live in purpose is when you can actually take action on your passion and your strengths. And I, I give all kinds of ideas and thoughts of how to do that in the book. Because I really loved that part of it was where, you know, it's, I think that's something that we don't think about when we're say 20, 30, suddenly you're going to be 70, 80, and you're going to look back at your life and go, I wish I'd done that. Or I was interested in this, but I had to work. I had to look after the kids. And time's going to pass. And before we know it, we're going to go, oh, I really regret it. And 
when I was used to think like, oh yeah, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I've got the passion of the website. I've got the passion of the podcast. You know, I've got, I know my purpose now is to help people through the, the podcast, that sort of thing. And then when I started looking through your, through your website, I did your significance assessment. Oh that yeah. Scared, you know, that really scared me because I was like, going, yeah, I'm fine. I'm, you know, I'm more focused than a lot of people. I know what I'm after. And I was like, oh no, I'm not. And I was like, I was like just scraping by, like I was really cut a low score compared to what I thought I was. And then you mentioned about, you know, having a clarity statement about writing out what you want in life and how you're going to get it and your goals. And I thought, yeah, I can define that easy. And then my head just went, uh oh, <laughs> like, no, you can't. <laughs> I've blown away. I mean, and I, I think I'm organized. So what advice would you give to people just now? How do we even know the journey that we're on is the right journey? How do we find that? Because how do we know it's not society or family or friends who are pressurizing us, pushing us down a, a life that's not for us? Is there like a certain feedback that we should be looking at? Is there certain like analytical tools or feelings that you know that you're on the right path? Yeah. Well, there's a couple things. One is don't overthink it. Number one, um, there is always a good chance that maybe you're not on the exact right path, but I, I'd much rather you take action and pivot off the wrong path than to constantly be like, I can't make any decision because I'm afraid I'm going to go on the wrong path. I'm a, I'm a fan of creating a mess and clean it up, right? Because, you know, you can't be on a journey unless you actually take steps. And so it's okay that uh, whatever path you start down, you're not getting a tattoo on it, right? You don't mm. have to marry that path. You can, you, can all, you can experiment and you can figure some things out along the way. I've had to make several tweaks and pivots as I work through my, 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 uh, my own journey. Now, there is a, uh, I think it's called War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. It's one of my favorite books because he talks about what is called the resistance. And what he means by that is that whenever you start doing anything meaningful in your life, resistance begins to show up, right? And begins to resist you. I also call it the beast. I have a different term for it. But I do believe there's an opposing force that wants to keep you from living your best life. Well, if you're doing something that's not meaningful and it's not going to really have an impact, well, there's no reason to have resistance because you're not really moving the needle, right? However, and if you start taking a step towards your significant life, right, and you start uh, seeing getting some of that resistance, some of that fear, some of those doubts, things like that, actually you can you can use that for good because that's an indicator that you're on the right path, right? So you don't get hit in the face with a bug if uh, unless you're driving down the road really fast, right? And so when you start moving in the right direction, then the resistance pops up. So I would say that. The fact that you're fearful and the fact that maybe you have doubts, that's actually a good sign that you're moving in the right direction. Now, the key is, and what I've done and what I would recommend to folks, number one is just become aware. So you mentioned the significance assessment. Anybody that's listening to this can go check it out right now. It's, it's at yoursignificanceassessment.com. And then what you do is you take the assessment and you find out where you are. So if you're ever lost, the only way you can get back on track is just know where you are, right? Where you on the, are on the map. So that's number one, being aware of where you are. Number two is uh, really discovering, well, what's the next step for me? And in the uh, when you take the assessment, I don't know, did you download the ebook, the Significant Assessment ebook, Ian? Yep, it's fantastic. I love the way you use like the jigsaw pieces to kind of like shape. Yeah, you you kind of piece it together. Uh, I know it's a jigsaw, but I really like that kind of way. And you could uh, use the pieces 
as a kind of yeah. building block and you could see what you're building. I really like that approach. Yeah. So then, so the book, I, you get it for free. It's on the website. So what happens is you take the test like you did, you get your results. And in the ebook, you go right to where your results are. And I give you like two or three action items to get yourself to the next level. So that's number two. So number one is be aware. Number two, have a resource like this book that it's in there. You get for free. It's a significance assessment ebook. So you know what your next step is. Then the third thing is, this is where you, you can't live significance without others. You have to surround yourself with the right people. And I talk about in the book that it's really important that you get the right people in your life that's going to help you live your life of significance where it's a win-win, right? Where you're adding value to that person, they're adding value to you. Well, those people also become kind of like your accountability partners, people that you can work with, that you can go to when you're fearful and get ideas from. I have a group of four or five men in my life that we meet every 90 days, Ian, and it's one of the most meaningful uh, sessions I have every 90 days because it's time for me to take my armor off and say, man, I'm really struggling here. This is where I'm at. So if you're really dying on the vine by yourself, then uh, you're really doing yourself a disservice because you got to have the right people in your life. And so in the book, I outline on uh, it's one of the seven elements of the perfect day. Uh, in fact, it's the sixth element, and that is uh, assembling a team. And so to answer your question, one, be aware, two, get your next steps, and three, oh. surround yourself with the right people. Because I found it quite interesting that bit about where, you know, you're actually, if you feel the fear, you know, it's actually a good thing. I mean, a lot of people would go, no, 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 I get a bit of resistance. No, that's not for me. That's obviously a sign that something's wrong. It's I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the comfort zone. So how would you define the beast, the chaos that people are living in? How would we even know we're in that? And can you ever escape? Because I know you've got this um, great quote where you say, don't shy away from chaos, rise above it. Mm. How do we even know we're struggling? Because most people don't seem to, I don't want to say cheeky, but they don't seem to go above the normal viewpoint. They just go in day in, day out. How do we, how do they even become aware of this? And, you can never really escape it, but is it like fear? It's always going to be there. You just need to coping strategies to deal with it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I had to discover once I discovered, well, but the biggest thing, the biggest thing I had to ask myself was when I was in Bosnia, I really was impacted by the level of evil that I saw there. And I just began to ask myself, is this something that's just over here in Bosnia, you know? Or is that something that we read about, you know, about what happened in World War II during Germany? Is that just something that's isolated? Or does everybody have that? You know, do we all have some of that same level of destructiveness in our hearts? And the I've, I discovered the answer to that was, yes, we all have it. We all have that level of if the conditions are right, that we can go to those depths if we had to as human beings. And so I had to come to grips with that the beast is just a part of living on life on planet Earth, right? None of us escapes mm -hmm. it. It's that unknown evil force. It's that opposing force to good that we all have to deal with as humans. It's it's humanity. And so if you could not defeat it, could you tame it? That was my question. Could I tame the beast? And my answer had to be yes. There had to be a way to do it. And so what I did was I figured out a way for my own self that I'm passing on to everybody else now because I had my own beast, my own demon to deal with. I had to figure out a way for my, not, not to avoid it, but to understand it's there. It's waiting for me every day I wake up. It's that negative voice in your mind. It's, it whispers all kinds of things. Like you've had it today, Ian, like, you know, maybe the, now's not the time to do the podcast because everything's going wrong, you know, or, or sometimes it's that imposter syndrome. Why would anybody want to listen to me? Or why didn't I get that promotion? Or why does my spouse not appreciate me? These little negative things, that's the beast. So I discovered that 
I could insulate myself from it. It's kind of like if I'm exposed to the hostilities of the world, by the way, we live in a hostile environment. As soon as we walk outside the door of our house, it's a hostile environment we live in. So I had to insulate myself for that. So I surrounded myself with what I call the seven elements of the perfect day. These different elements, if I lean into it and I do it deliberately every day, these are habits that I could build into my life that if the beast really wanted to get to me, it was going to have to get through seven different layers in which to get to me. And so now what I've done is I've, I've leveled, leveled the playing field. <laughs> so as soon as I wake up, I start living with these elements and it's protected me and it's given me the space and the margin to rise above the chaos. So you mentioned that sometimes people don't even know they're in chaos. I think people know it. They just don't know what to do about it. So they just accept it and they adapt to it and they just live within the chaos, just resigned to the fact they're never going to get out of it. It's just the way life is. Well, th there's not, there's, there's definitely a way to get out of it. If you rise above it, that's where your significant life waits for you is right above the chaos. You don't have to avoid it. You're going to have to go through it, but I, I figured out a way and I have a methodology to rise above it in spite of it and still live a significant life. Now it doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to you. I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. You're still going to have bad things happen to you. It's just life, right? However, being equipped to handle those things is the difference. And that's what I'm, um, my mission is, is to help as many people be equipped to handle those chaotic moments, which are always waiting for us. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic answer because I really liked how you, you went into just like okay you need a routine you actually broke it down into like you know managing your energy managing your priorities building a like your superhero team um you know like building systems to deal with it and i, I loved how everything doesn't just you know you get you, you buy some of these books and you're like yeah that's fine but how do i do that you know they talk mm. about it but they don't give it and the book really breaks down every single thing and you you use your personal story and give an example of how you did it and then you link it into concrete action steps which is i was i was delighted with it but where you said that you were on about assembling a team you know you said um where i had to write it down surround yourself with quality people with a common vision and live with clarity how do we start doing that? Do we attract these people by living, starting working towards our purpose and our passion? Or, you know, how do we find these people? How do we start associating that? Because, you, you know, they say that we're the, the average of the five people we hang around with. How do we start assembling this team? Yeah, I, well, I think the first step is to understand uh, what your passion and strengths are, your superpower. You need to understand what it is that you possess. And then... Once you understand what your superpower is, then with that inherently, inherently comes weaknesses, right? So I know I have blind spots. There's things in my life I'm just not really good at. I'm not really good at um, financial spreadsheets and numbers. It's just not my thing. I'm not really good at with my hands. I can't put together things. There's just things I'm not really good at. So once you understand what you're really good at and what you're not good at, and you figure out where your blind spots and weaknesses are, that's where a team starts to help you. See, the power of a team is a team helps cover your blind spot so you can be the best version of yourself, Ian, right? And so uh, what I do is I surround myself with people that are strong in the areas that are weak. So that's number one. The second thing is what you want to do is become aware of who do you have in your life right now? Because you need to really start thinking about, okay, I need to be more deliberate on where I'm going to spend my time. And just start evaluating are these people that I'm spending my time with, are they, are they really 
the best people I need to be hanging out with. And I know there's several people that I've worked with and people that I know that I have a lot of respect for. They've had to make some changes and some adjustments, including myself, actually. I talked about the book where there was a group of people that I just found that it was negative for me to be around. And I had to be intentional by not being around those folks. So that's number two. And then number three, then what you want to do is you want to be more intentional on when you meet somebody that you're like, wow, this person's really sharp. And by the way, this doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you can write on a piece of paper or here are the four or five people I'm going to do life with. Let me go call them up. Right? You, you start to meet these people as you start to move in a direction that you want to go. It's almost like they just start popping up. It becomes serendipitous, right? So when I started moving towards becoming a professional speaker, for instance, then these resources of human beings I began to meet started to pop up in my life, but I was aware of it. I was open to it. And when I said, oh, this is a guy I really need to connect with. I need this guy in my life. Then I, I started to develop a relationship with him, right? Then another six months or 18 months down the road, I met another person I'm like, man, she is fantastic. She's really good at this. I need to develop a relationship with her because she could be somebody that can really, I can connect with. It could be a win-win relationship. And then over time, after a period of 18 months to a couple of years, you look around and now you've surrounded yourself with some really powerful people that's going to help you get to the next level. But it all starts with, number one, being aware of what you have and what you don't have, being aware of who's in your life that probably shouldn't be there. And then be aware when you run into people like, man, this is a person I definitely want to do life with. Having that wherewithal to lean into that relationship and then bring them on board with you. So say if you're trying to make this change and you know you start noticing the the problems in your life and you think okay I'm going to I want more of this I'm, I'm I'm focused over here you've written out your goals how do we deal with the negative side of things you know that kind of that inner voice that says who are you to try this who are you to try better yourself or you know you did x in your past like you know you're aware of the, the imposter syndrome those sorts of things how do we deal with that inner whisper that yeah. and take that step? Because I think that's a thing is people kind of go, oh, yeah, I'd love to do that, but, and you can all, you can almost see their, like their energy getting stopped at that point when they start, when the, the voice throws out all the, the excuses, how do we start dealing with this whisper inside before we start connecting with these great people? And, you know, how do we, find the self-love i suppose before we build mm -hmm. the connections yeah well number one is acknowledge it right it's real it's a very real thing and it's okay right it's okay to say you know what uh this is something i have to deal with this is something i have to overcome but also understand it's a tool of the beast right and go back to well, i'm on the right track if the beast is screaming in my ear that hey don't go talk to these people because who are you to do that well, that's when you know you need to go talk to people because the beast doesn't want you to do that but here's what i would say I've never struggled with that, by the way. That's never been a weakness for me. I've never had a weakness where I never felt like I was good enough to make friends or add people of high value in my life. I, that's not a weakness I just I had to deal with. But if that's a weakness, let's say for you, Ian, that's very real to you, then that's one person you need to get in your life. You need an encourager on your team that's going to encourage you because you need that encouragement that you can call on and say, hey, Bob, I'm struggling, man. And I just don't think I'm good enough. And Bob has that talent. There's people out there like this. They have a talent to edify. They have a talent to lift people up. You need that person in your life. So if you identify that this is a really a very real problem for you, then that's a very exact person you need to get in your life is someone that can help you with that blind spot and that weakness. Like for me, sometimes um, I have a problem with I, I can get too transactional. And um, where I almost sometimes can work with people in a way they're almost like tools in a way. 
And so I need someone in my life that reminds me that these are human beings, right? They, they has to remind me of humanity. It just so happens that I married her. <laughs> and so she is my accountability partner. And so a lot of times she has to pull me aside and say, hey, Eric, you need to tone it down a little bit. You need to back off a little bit. And so um, this, I, by the way, just because I was married to her didn't mean I need, I could accept it. I had to accept what her role was in my life and lean into that and then go to her on times and say, Hey, I think I'm doing this wrong. I think I'm approaching this wrong. What do you think? And she gives me advice and some thoughts on that. So identifying that, Hey, that's an issue you're dealing with Ian. If that, if that's you, let's say, and say, I need that encouragement and then find someone in your life that can be that encourager. And that's a very real thing. And so that that's how I'd approach it. It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and level up. So you do have a great section in the book. It's all about the energy and how we, we've we come to a society where because we don't know what we're wanting, somebody else will fill our our responsibilities. You know, the boss will make us work and we think, oh, it's only a couple of days extra work. But like you say in the book, it might never. the season might never end. You might be working yourself to death. And, you, you know, you go on about like the self-care, about not just your um, physical rest and recuperation, but the brain power your and your perspective power and things like that. How do we start building in systems into our lives so that we can actually start improving ourselves? How do we start making like the seven elements of the perfect day, the the five principles to live by, you know, these sorts of things? How do we start looking at our lives, analyzing what needs to go and building systems to start doing these great things. Yeah. Well, I think what I would do is I would start with number one, you know, the seven elements are the seven elements in order. And so just understanding that it's a journey, it's not something that has to happen overnight. Uh, Well, you know, it's kind of neat. You know, I live in the U S and when someone told me this one day, it kind of blew my mind, you know, where I could, you know, on a, on a road that's completely dark, right? I can drive a car from New York to California, you know, 2003, whatever it is, 2,500 miles or whatever, with only knowing, you know, really what's ahead of me a hundred feet at a time, you know, and the cover of darkness, as long as I had my headlights on, right? I can see a hundred feet. And if I did go the next hundred feet and the next hundred feet, eventually I will find myself in California, but just being able to go that hundred feet. So what I would recommend is when you check out the book and look at the seven elements of the perfect day, I would just go with number one. And number one is managing your priorities because one of the things that I discovered that what we do as human beings is we set ourselves up for failure in every day we wake up and we have so many things that we want to accomplish that it's overwhelming. It's uh, negative and we, we feel defeated every day because there's no way that we can do everything we're, we're forcing ourselves to do. So what I did was I decided just to go against that. And I said, you know what? Um, I can't do everything. I can't be everything, but I can focus on a few things. And there's actually science behind this. If you do some studies on this, the studies show that 
your brain has only so much power every day, right? And by the time you get to your third major task of the day, here's what the study suggests, that you only have less than, maybe less than 50%, some studies suggest 40% of brain power, but yet you've got 20 things you want to get done. By the time you get to 19 of the things you want to get done, you're a walking zombie. You're not helping anybody, right? You're, you're just leaving a mediocre life. And so instead what I did was I said, uh, what if I just focused on and the three most important things. Now there's different elements to this. There's all kinds of books on this. Some say top five, top three or whatever, or your one thing. There's even a book on that called The One Thing. Mine is, I just want to focus on the three most important things. And so I just started putting boundaries in my life around that. And I just write down, okay, if I get nothing else done today, what are the three things I need to get done? And giving my per- myself permission to focus on those. Now, I will tell you this, Ian, when you first go down this path, it gets messy. But who cares? Your life's a mess anyway, right? There's some things that you need. There's some balls in your life that need to be dropped. You're just managing them because you think you're, you need to manage them, but you really don't. <clears throat> and so once I started putting these constraints in my life and focusing on really the three most important things, then this is where the beauty starts to come in. I started to adapt and I started to figure out ways to address these other issues in my life without me personally doing it. That's when I started bringing people on my team that were really good at some of these things. Uh, that can take care of stuff I don't have to worry about anymore. That's when I started getting really creative on automating things, delegating things, and figuring out a way I can live my life where I didn't have to do 50 things a day. I could do three. Now, there are phases where sometimes I go above the three, but man, it's such a freeing moment when you put constraints on your life. So uh, when you do the top three like that. So that's what I would do is I would start with number one, and that is managing your priorities. And then once you get that going, then you put another layer of protection, right? And that's number two. By the way, the, when you, the reason why I talk about managing priorities is the, be, the number one way the beast can get you off kilter is to overwhelm you with activity, right? If you're just busy, get stuff done all day. Have you ever had this happen to you even, Ian, when you get done after a busy day and you th- try to think about what you got done that day and you're thinking, oh, yes. I, I didn't really get much done, right? Have you been there before? It's uh, that's what um, my next question was going to be is like that bit in the book where you talk about the fog of war, how it'll like throw so much in front of you. And I was like, does he know me? Like, you know, it was just like that really hit home because I was like, I was going through that at that stage. I felt like I couldn't remember what I'd done. I just felt like I had so much work on. I wasn't sure what I had done that day. I know I was busy, but I couldn't tell you what I'd done. So yeah, just now it's like every day that feels like. Yeah. Like, for instance, uh, one of my top three things today was to spend this time with you, right? There's probably about 50 other things I probably should be doing as well. But I just make that fundamental shift that Ian is one of my top three, right? And if I don't get to four or five, it's okay and give myself permission. In fact, I had a West Point professor. She kind of planted the seed to me. I remember one day I was talking to her and I was just just an overwhelmed cadet, Ian. I was just sleep deprived because there was so much going on. I remember her telling me that she went to bed every night at 8.30 p.m. And I said, how do you do that with all the stuff you got to get done? And she's like, the tasks I need to get done, they'll be waiting for me tomorrow. And she said it with such peace. I'm like, man, I wish I could have that same mentality. Well, I have that mentality now because I've figured out a way to manage my priorities. Now, it's taken me a while to get to that point. This doesn't happen overnight, right? Which that leads to the second element. The second element is to where the beast is going to attack you. Once you start uh, you know, insulating yourself with the priorities of your life, by the way, that top three, that's the top three of everything in your life. I know what some people do to try to break the system. They'll say, okay, I'll do my top three for work, my top three for my personal, my top three for my kids. That's not yep. how it works. It's a top three for everything, all phases of life. There are days you get up, Ian, 
and your top three is all going to be personal focused. Or maybe you may have two that's going to be family focused and one work focused. It's okay. It's okay to let go of some of those things. But then you go to the next element, and that is managing your energy. And I, I talk about the six principles of managing your energy because if you don't have the energy to face the beast, then eventually the beast is going to wear you down because the beast has boundless energy. And that's why you have to protect yourself and buy and counter that with your own level of energy. And so I dive in in detail on those principles there. Because when I read that part in the book, it was about, oh, the, you know, top three things. I thought, oh, great. Three things at work, three things, you know, and then you were like, nope, it's three things in total. And I thought, bah, 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 bah. and I could feel myself panic. Like I'd feel the anxiety rise because I thought, what about this? What about that? And I was like, I think that's the point. You know, that's the, my inner like demons, my inner problems coming up going like, this is my version of the chaos of the beast that's coming in. Mm, so how do yeah. you, you have this great bit about like, you know, looking at the expectations of others, but looking at the expectations of ourselves and, you know, write a letter to yourself for a yes. year in advance and say, mm. this is how your life's going to be and come to it. How, how do we start planning that? How do we see what's possible compared to where we are now because i think yeah. we completely underestimate what we're capable of do you find people struggle with that because they've they're not sure what they're capable of and they're maybe they're not as they haven't got the clarity in their expectations or their their vision for the future yeah yeah you said a lot there in a couple sentences and i think you covered a lot <laughs> of areas but you but you're right um it starts number one it starts with clarity i think the one of the reasons that we get off track and we get consumed by the chaos and the really the beast is becomes the, uh, a front seat partner of our life is because we do lack clarity in, and, and it's just something that we're not taught really. Um, you know, we're taught to live sto certain out certain stories like, you know, and I did all those things. I, I was taught that you go to high school, right. And you do all the high school activities. And then after that, you're supposed to go to college. That's what you're supposed to do. So I just did that. I did what I thought I was supposed to do. And then once you go to college and you start a career, well, I did that. And then once you start a career, then it's time to meet someone that you want to spend your life with and start a family. So I did that. So I did everything I was taught to do, but then at the other side of it, I'm like, well, what's next? And then I realized I had no idea really what I wanted to do. There was no clarity whatsoever. Well, if you have no clarity in your life, then how do you make decisions when you get to different crossroads if you don't know where you're going? And so that's what I realized that, man, I had to get some clarity. I had to clarify some things like my strengths, my reality. That's another thing, too, is you have to embrace your reality because it's one thing to want to do something. It's another thing to understand the reality that's standing between you and what you want to do. And so clarifying that reality and then understanding these are obstacles I'm going to have to overcome then I can't realize and I can't do it by myself. So I need to have clarity on who I want to bring on, on board. So what I recommended and what you're talking about in the book is I recommend really there's uh, three things. One is I recommend you clarify where you want to be five years from now, where you want to be 10 years from now. That's number one, right? Because I find that there's magic when you actually take stuff out of your head and you write it down. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be disappointed if you never go that route. But it, uh, what it means is that you're actively engaging in some things that are in your soul and in your heart that are just kind of been tumbled around, but they don't come real until you put them on paper. I believe things get activated in your soul and your mind when you write stuff down. It's, there's power in that. That's why I love writing. That's why I'm an author. You go through a transformation when you write something. And so then when you write down, okay, this is where I'm going to be five years from now. And I recommend focus on personal focus on relationships and maybe focus on your family. Those are three major areas. And where do you want to be? And write it like you're writing in present tense, right? Because here's the thing, Ian, 
five years that goes by in a snap. You know, we're going to get off this Definitely. podcast. And before I know it, it's going to be five years from now, you know, it comes by fast. And if you don't do something about it, it's going to, it's going to move with or without you. So then the last thing is, and you talked about it, um, I would even get more granular. And that is, I would recommend, and I think the a birthday is a good time to do this. I did this and it was fantastic. So what I recommend is on your birthday, write a letter to yourself, right? And just write a letter that, uh, and date it one year from today, from your next birthday and write down what you want your life to be one year from now, when you're one year older, where do you want to be in your life? And write that in present tense and then wrap that up in an envelope or whatever, put a date on it. And your next birthday, that's a gift you give to yourself to take that out and read it out loud. I did that my, for myself. I did it with my family. Actually, I had all my family do it too. We did that during the pandemic and it was a beautiful exercise that we went through. And I remember when one year passed. And, uh, it was time to get back together. Everybody had forgotten about it. And I brought these envelopes out. I said, remember when I told you guys to do this last year? And I said, yeah. And I, I handed it to him. I said, now we're going to open them up. And one by one, we're going to read it to ourselves out loud. And it was an emotional experience. Tears uh, were coming down our eyes as we re- read what we had our hopes and dreams were for each other. And you know, what was beautiful is my mom, my mom uh, wrote that letter and that year she got diagnosed with uh, dementia and she start, she's having struggles with her memories. And it was really beautiful to watch my mom read this really eloquent letter that she wrote to herself. And oh, man, it's so powerful. And I want to do that every year. And that's why I recommend everybody do get in the habit of writing a letter to yourself saying, this is where I want life to be. And when you do that, it'll ignite, ignite some things that'll give you the courage to start moving forward and start igniting some of those passions. And so that's that's what I meant when I talk about that in the book. Because I just love how like every section in the book has some sort of like section of prompts of hard hitting questions that we don't really ask ourselves. But once you really start thinking about it, you're like, whoa, I really need to think about this. Like, you know, you, there's a bit where you talk about like delegating or prioritizing, you know, how to analyze the human connections you have in your life, how to look at like their relationships, how to analyze what's happening later on, Your like how to even set up your week so you can look at the key areas in your life. You know, it you give this amazing breakdown and you go into such great detail and it's really hard not to sort of go down a rabbit hole in each section. You know, I think we have like seven podcasts worth. So we're definitely gonna have to do it do it again and really get into stuff. But yeah. The, chapter fourteen, the live your story one, I found that really quite scary because a lot of people they don't even know their own story. It's mm. written by somebody else. Mm-hmm. How would you start wanting people to use the book to find their own story? How, I know it's a sort of difficult question, but I mean, is there a way that we can start using this now to like write, write our own story rather than have it told by somebody else? Yeah. I think you're talking about the, about Lauren Hill. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. About Lauren yeah. and, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, uh, unbelievable story. And what he's talking about in that book is why I talk about Lauren Hill, where was, as a high school kid, she was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And so she only had so much time to live. And so she decided that she just wanted to be a basketball player. And her dream was to live, uh, to, to play collegiate basketball. And she was able to realize that dream in November. I can't remember what year, but she was to step on a stage in front of 10,000 people and, and to play with ESPN national televised. She was able to live out her story as a basketball player. Unfortunately, that's usually what happens is when you realize 
how precious life is and that you need to live your story is usually when something significant happens to you. That's usually what yeah. happens when you get hurt or it's a health scare or something happens with a family member. Well, uh, we shouldn't wait for something like that. Cause here's the thing, all of us are on a fast pass to, uh, we're going to run into a brick wall eventually in our life. Everybody's, we can't escape it. We're all going to get there eventually. And you don't want to wait to get there to realize I have a story to live. So you have to back up before that and realize now's the time to live it. Right. And so, uh, I think we've kind of, we've kind of been circled around what I think you should do on that, where I think you should just number one, embrace the fact there's, a, there's a spiritual component to your life. You know, this is not a religious thing. It's just that we all have that inner voice in our, in our spirit. That's constantly whispering to us. There's more, there's something we need to do here because we're all meant to do something and just embrace that. Okay. There is a, there is that piece of me that I got to answer that question. Why? And start that journey of, like I said before, the passion and your, uh, strength, and then start moving towards what you're good at. By the way, um, that's something I had to realize is I was too busy trying to be everything to everybody, uh, Ian, that I wasn't working within my strength. Once I realized and gave my permission, myself permission to stop doing things that I weren't good at anymore, that's when I started to open up where I can live my story. Like, let me get an example. Mowing the lawn. I'm, I'm going I'm to give something very simple here. Three and a half hours it takes me to mow the lawn. What could I do in three and a half hours? I hate mowing the lawn right? I don't like doing it, but I was doing it because I thought that's what I was supposed to do as the dad and the family. That's what all the other dads did. They went out and mow the lawn. And I thought, well, why am I doing that? I can take this three and a half hours and I can hang out with my, ch my kid. I can go read a book. I can write uh, a chapter in my book. I could do something so much more meaningful when I'm doing something that doesn't really mean anything to me. I could pay some kid 12 bucks an hour to do this. Well, that was the start of many moments when I started realizing, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? The reason why we don't live out our story is because the beast has us so busy doing so much stuff that we're too bu we're too busy to think. In fact, there's a book out there called Thinking for a Change where John Maxwell talks about that we've really forgotten how to think as people because we're just too busy living. Well, you got to open self yourself up and give yourself some margins to start thinking again. That way you can start thinking about what is a story I really want to live. But it starts with some of these simple things like I lay out in the book, like let's start taking some stuff off your plate. Does that make sense? Definitely. I mean, it's, I like how like there's in some of your principles, it's like ignite your influence, but then you also go into a thing about like disaster proofing your life, you know, so, so you can remove yes. the, the, the problems and how to deal with change. And like, these could be podcasts on their own. It, yeah. It's so deep um, that you go into, how would you want somebody to, to start this? I mean, if you had them to write a letter, Mm. You know, is there like an example that you could give like the, of, of somebody's letter or how could they like disaster proof their life so that if they did start making the changes just now, yeah. how how would they do that so that they wouldn't just sort of crash and burn or break the relationships they've got now until they knew the path they were on? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I don't, I didn't really want to put an example of a letter in there because I think that's very personal and you need to write mm -hmm. a letter that makes sense to you. Some people would write bullet points. Some people write long form, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter, but just sit down and write, Hey, uh, Ian, this time next year, this is you writing, right? I'm going to, I want to have these three things going on in my life and just write it down. However, whatever makes sense to you. Um, and the other thing that you mentioned about disaster proof in your life if you start living a life of significance, okay, 
that means that you're going to bring people in your life to do life with you. And that means that you're going to have to evolve and change. And you're going to ask others to evolve and change with you. And so whenever you ask people to change with you, that's where conflict occurs. Nobody likes to change, right? None of us like to change. We hate change. That's why conflict becomes a part of living a life of significance. And that's where the beast can really start nipping at your heels when they start using change as a way to make you get negative and others get negative. I mean, life is constantly evolving. And so how you disaster proof your life is you want somebody on your team that I call is an influencer. They're an opinion leader, right? These are people that have opinions and people care about those opinions, right? And why, why that's important is when you find yourself at crossways with other people, because by the way, when you start leading a life of significance, there's going to be other people that are going to go against you. They're not going to like this, right? It, it's going to be people that maybe aren't living their best life. They're angry for whatever reason, and they go after you. Well, I've had that in many occasions. And when I've had that happen, it's the influencers in my life that circled the wagons around me and protected me in that moment. Number one, they encouraged me to let me know that I'm on the right path. Number two, they supported me emotionally uh, and kept me protected in those situations. And because they were influencers, they were able to influence other people to support me as well. So everybody needs to have at least one influencer in their life. And the way you identify an influencer is just think about people that when something goes down, Everybody wants to know what they think about it first, right? And you know people in your family like that. You know people in your neighborhood like that. You know people at work like that. So I've just been really good at collecting influencers. I've got two or three really powerful influencers that I go to, especially when uh, I get myself in, in, a, in a kind of a pickle of a situation with human dynamics. Because one, I mean, we could talk about like each section and the principles for days, but until we can get around two, how do we know that we're on a life living a life of peace that you know you mm. say how in the book how it should be yeah. peaceful and tranquil and it's almost like you know that voice has disappeared but how do we know that's the right path how do we know that that's that's the life of peace you know that yeah. it's not we're not in the eye of the storm for example yeah well it's hard to describe it's something you have to experience because when i first started down this path peace was not my goal uh, it's not everything, anything I ever strive for. What I was looking for was I was trying to accomplish something. I was trying to be the best husband I could. I was trying to make sure that my kids had a better life than me. You know, I was trying to make money. I could, I could buy a house. I could get a car. I could take care of the family. That's all I worried about. But once I started really being intentional about significance and leading life of significance, that's when I discovered that there's actually peace in it. And so what peace is not, it's not a set of conditions, right? It's not like everything's great, everything's tranquil, everybody loves you, right? Uh, there's no health issues, no financial issues. That's not what peace is. What peace is, is in spite of all those things happening to you, and you might even be walking with a limp because you've had so much happen to you, there's peace in knowing that you're doing everything you can within your control and living the life you were meant to live with the strengths that you were given and the passion that you have in your life, knowing that each step you take, there's intentionality behind it and there's significance behind it. That's what peace feels like. So when I get done with this and I go face the challenges after I talk to you and I go face the challenges of life, there's all kinds of challenges waiting for me outside that door. But there's peace in my heart knowing that I have, uh, uh, I'm equipped to manage those challenges. I have a team of people that are going to help me manage those challenges and that the beast has is in, my, in the back seat now and the beast really can't touch me. That's where there's, there's peace, knowing that even though I'm in the storm, that I'm going to find a way on the other side of it and rise above it because I have the equipment and the tools necessary to do it. 
love it. I, I, I'm really impressed with it because normally I kind of come away and go, like after an interview and go, yeah, yeah, I've read the book. That's fine. But this actually was like the start of a journey. You know, it kind of made me realize it's like I'm getting there, but I'm not there. Like I'm, you know, I like the bit where you talked about the seasons, like time, time will pass anyway. The bad mm. things will pass. The good things will pass. You know, there's seasons in our life. And it made me realize it's like I've had seasons of peace, but I've not, I'm not there yet. And then I was thinking, I was looking at some of the questions and they were really hard hitting. I was thinking, Oh, okay, I need this. I need to focus the more on that. And I think that's the great thing about the book is it actually makes you realize you're on a journey, but it gives you the encouragement that you're on this journey now, that you're finally yeah. on this journey. It's a fantastic book. You should be super proud of it. And before we can go, um, I know we're short on time, but how? what would you want people to remember of this? What would you want them as a sort of take-home message to remember about this, about significance, change, the beast, chaos, daily power, anything and everything in between? Yeah, I, I, I would think that what I want people to take away is that you're not alone, right? Um, that whatever you're going through, it's all relative, right? We all have stuff that we're going through. We all have dreams, wants, and desires. And I just want people to remember that we all want to leave a life of significance, right? None of us wants to get at the end of our life and realize that it meant nothing, right? All of us wants to know that because we walk this earth that it meant something to somebody. But the key is, is that if you're going to live a life of significance, Ian, you just can't do it alone. You're going to have to get really good at leaning into human dynamics and human connections. And that when you do that, and you do it in a way with intentionality, that there really is significance waiting on the other side. And it's a beautiful thing when you walk in significance. And so I want everybody to feel that because the world would be such a great place if people lived within more, their significance more, right? And so I want that. And so I'm encouraged by this conversation. Thank you so much for the opportunity to hang with you. And I just encourage everybody to check out the book and just follow the methodology. It's the exact same ones that I'm following right now. This isn't theory. I'm doing this myself every single day. So if you want to jump on the journey with me and allow me to be your guide, the book's the first start to do that. Because that's fantastic. Because that was part of it. Because I actually felt like my questions weren't doing it justice. That I felt <laughs> like the, the beast and the chaos were sort of nipping at me going, oh, think about this, do this, do that, do that. We'll work and other stuff. And and then when I, looked, I started reading it, I was like, okay, I'm going to devote some time to that. I'm going to devote some time to that. So I thoroughly recommend this book to everybody listening because once you realize that you want more in life, this is why I love this podcast because I get to connect with amazing people like yourself and mm. you start the journey. You you don't just tell us how to do it. You shape us. You give us the tools to do it. And that's yeah. why this book is amazing because you've got each section has a little subcategory at the end where you go into you know a synopsis of the chart of what to do and step by step and you have the prompts throughout the book and you mm. can't help but make yourself better from this and build better human the dynamics other people relationships with others and start an amazing journey so you should be super proud of this but how can we follow you how can we connect with you on social media how can we find your website how can we do all the good stuff yeah. Well, my website's the best place. If you just go to ericreem.com, my first name is spelled E-R-I-C-K. And then my last name is Reem, R-H-E-A-M. Then everything is found there. Social media, it's at Eric Reem speaking. But if you just go to my website, uh, that's really my hub of everything. And so if you just go there, you can find the book, you can find how to get connect with me. And I would love that. That'd be awesome. 
Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.